So this morning, uh, as, as we prayed, we're moving on from the doctrine of justification by faith, and we're stepping now into the doctrine of adoption. Um, that is the teaching where God is um, sovereignly to us a father. That is, to those who are in Christ, we are his children. And just by way of introduction, it's common for some folks, some theologians, to separate this and for others not to. And the, um, the question is, is, is adoption really something of its own to be considered, or is it merely just part of justification? Meaning, is it just a benefit of being legally declared righteous to God, or is it its own doctrine and teaching all to its own? And it kind of depends in some ways how you, how you look at that and how you frame it. It's certainly directly related to justification, the work that God has done through Jesus Christ on our behalf. But it is above and beyond that in some ways. It is... It is its own teaching. It's when, after we have been legally declared righteous by God, and he has given us all the righteousness and favor of his son, it's then on that basis that he comes to us as to a heavenly father. And so some have said, you can sum up the entirety of the Christian life and of the Christian religion, really, in this one thing, by saying, our heavenly father. But it is in that relationship of a father to son, all that God is, all in his eternity, in his provision, in his kindness, in his gentleness, in his grace, in his stern care, in his chastisement, all of these things, when he chastens us, he deals with us as with sons. And so all the blessings of God come to us through this grace of adoption. So to start, I wanted to begin in Ephesians chapter 1. You can turn there if you want. I'm just going to read briefly how this is laid out. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. And in this, we can see right off the bat, one of the first things we want to recognize is that adoption is not the singular job of just one member or one person of the divine trinity, because it is God who has blessed us in Christ Jesus. He is the one who has predestined us for this adoption in Christ Jesus. And what is the benefit of adoption? It is every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That is, it is the Holy Spirit as he communicates all the blessings of Christ to us. And so it is God's will to join us to himself as a father to a son through Jesus Christ, and he does this by the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a Trinitarian work is the first thing we want to say. The second thing, though, we want to say by just way of preliminary introduction is that the term adoption, interestingly enough, is a Pauline term. That is, though many authors in the New Testament speak of our sonship, the word or the phrase adoption as sons is really a word that only Paul uses in the New Testament. He uses it in five places, three in Romans, one in Ephesians, and one in Galatians. And so when we wrestle with the term itself, we're we're wrestling much with Paul's teaching, and the significance of that really is just to point out um, something that is, goes a little bit beyond that. Paul uses the word adoption in a couple different ways, and I, I want us to see this. 
So starting in, in Romans, Romans uses it in three different places, and he uses adoption in three different ways. Let's, let's look at Romans, and, and you judge if this, is, if this is fair to the text. Romans, starting in chapter 8, in verse 12, starting in 8, verse 12, we're going to come across adoption, and this would, be, this would be the first case, meaning the primary way that we understand adoption, the doctrine which we're speaking of today, is found here. Says, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness within our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so in this first case, I think it is abundantly clear what is meant by adoption. That is, we are sons. We have the Spirit of God. We are saved. It is God's Spirit in us through which we can cry, Abba, Father, and that term Abba is, is simple, like a child cries out. The first word that a child learns, right, is dad. And how many different things does the child mean by saying dad? Pretty much everything, right? It is not a context in which it's not appropriate for the child to call out dad. Because if he's hungry, if he's thirsty, if he's scared, if he's mad, whatever it is, dad, right? This is like us. We are children to God. And we understand that this is a spiritual truth a spiritual reality. It is something that we have because of Christ's work in us and the Spirit in us. But if we continue on in chapter 8, we're going to, same, same part, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to continue reading so you can continue to hear the flow. He's talking about these sufferings. Remember, he just said, provided we suffer. And then he's thinking, okay, well, why do we suffer? Okay, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And here we come across the same term, adoption. But here, it's not said as something that we have necessarily, but as something we wait for. We are eagerly expecting adoption. And what is the context that he speaks of it in this way? Well, he, he clarifies what he means. Re- adoption, the redemption of our bodies. That is, it's, in, it's con- in connection with suffering. So what does he mean? He means to say that though we have spiritually the adoption of God as his sons, and we have this spirit, it is because of this spirit that we groan inwardly. We recognize that our bodies themselves are still outwardly wasting away. And that what we ultimately are longing for is the true consummation of that adoption. In other words, adoption is legal and true, and we have many, if not 
nearly all of the benefits of adoption now, and yet we do not have it consummated fully. We do not recognize the, um, the close intimacy that we will someday have with Christ in our new bodies that we will have. And so, in this way, I, I, would, I would actually say that this adoption is not altogether different than the way Paul is speaking of adoption, but merely understanding that adoption in its fullness is not going to be consummated entirely until the redemption of our bodies. So this would be, if you will, another way that the term adoption is used, but it's in close connection to adoption as sons, because it is the same spirit which works both in us, that we know we have a mediator in Christ, but also groans within us, teaching us to long for the redemption of our bodies. Turn over a page then to Romans 9. And the third time adoption is used is in chapter 9. And it was not my choice necessarily to be here today, but in order to be faithful to the text and just deal with, try to lay bare that we're not picking and choosing what what terms we're talking about today, Um, we run across this term in verse 9. He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises, to them belong the patriarchs and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. And so the term adoption appears here. He says, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, they have an adoption of God. And we need to pause and then think, okay, what is he saying here by adoption? Well, certainly the term adoption means what it has always meant. It is God has taken them as sons and they are to him sons, and he is to them a father. And yet, we understand also that in the full sense of what Paul had just meant adoption previously, spiritual adoption, spiritual union with Christ, is not applied to all Israel according to the flesh. This is, in fact, why Paul is groaning here, right? He's saying, I wish I was accursed for Israel, because they're my brothers according to the flesh, and I want them to be saved. So what he's saying is, though they have an adoption, they don't, they're not adopted, right? Does that make sense? He's, he's wrestling with how is it that they are adopted and yet they are rejecting Christ. And so the, to just leave that, because it's not primarily the focus of today, but so that we would be assured that these are not conflicting things, we would say that when he speaks of adoption here, there was an adoption that was given to Israel. God truly did take them as a nation to be his, and he dealt with them as a nation as he did with sons. And yet we understand that that was not to say that every single person was individually dealt with in terms of election of Christ. The election that we have with Christ, where adoption is peculiarly and particularly applied to individuals, is not the same as God's God's adoption of an entire nation in order to bring about Christ. So today, the focus is on this spiritual adoption, the adoption that we have in Christ, which by which we truly have access to God the Father. And so the other two places that Paul uses the term adoption being Ephesians and Galatians, we already read one in Ephesians, so then let's turn over to Galatians. Galatians. 
And this will complete the five uses that Paul has, or the five times in which Paul uses this term. Galatians chapter 4, in verses 4 through 7, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And so I think it's quite clear this is almost identical to the way Paul was using it in Romans 8, where he says, it is by this adoption that we, are called, we can say, Abba, Father. And that is the topic of our discussion today. What does it mean to, call, to say, Abba, Father? What is entailed in all of that? What are the blessings of being children of God? To understand this, most scholars have gone to um, Roman culture and said the idea of adoption is very much tied up in the, the time of, of Rome. And this makes sense because Paul was a Roman citizen. It makes sense that Paul would be the one to use this. The idea was in Rome, if a man of wealth or a man of ability took someone to be his son, either by money or by choice, that person was fully, in all respects, a son. And there was in no way in that culture by which the adopted son was any less a son than truly a son by birth. It was a great privilege, a great honor, and a great benefit to for the favor of a man or of a household to be set upon someone that they would be adopted and brought into status. Perhaps they were a slave, a slave upon which affection was found. And so the, that slave owner would say, I, I'm going to take this one not merely as a slave, but as a son. This is the concept that Paul is talking about when he says we are then adopted. It is not just that we are sons in a generic sense, as he uses the term sons in Acts when he says all of creation, are we are all sons of God. Well, we are all created by God. But no, specifically, we are not just we are not slaves under the law. God has adopted us into his gospel. And then finally, just, so these are just our, our preliminary considerations. Um, after, after looking at this, we want to, to recognize that, um, that adoption, as we already talked about in, in Romans 8, there's a difference between adoption sealed, that is adoption sealed by the Holy Spirit, and adoption consummated, that is when our bodies are fully regenerated and given new bodies of the Spirit, and we have full um, experience of all the benefits of adoption that we may not fully experience now. So, um, with that in mind, there are a number of things and an entire list of passages we could go to to talk about the benefits of adoption. In fact, in the, in the paragraph that we haven't read yet from the, the Baptist Confession, um, which is identical to the Westminster, it, um, it states 14 different things, depending on how you count, with a, a whole list of passages that we could go to. And so, for sake of time, we could turn to each one, um, which we may, but I want to first maybe just ask you guys to list some things. What are, when we talk about having the, the privileges of being called God's sons and daughters... 
what benefits are we talking about? Name something that the Scriptures gives to us by sonship, by being a daughter of God. Okay, watches and cares over us. So we could call that protection, right? Protection. Any a passage that you can think of where we would see God's fatherly protection? Maybe anyone? Um, we could go to the. We'll, we'll go to the the passages that are listed here. So Proverbs, Proverbs fourteen, is what is listed here. I think there are many places we could we could turn. Proverbs 14, verse 26, is what is listed here. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. A refuge, that is a hiding place, a place to be protected. And I think what the writers here are saying then is, if we are truly his children, one of the things that is entailed in that is that God is to us a protector. What other benefits might we have? Or other scriptures that come to mind? Yes, Rhea? He hears us. Okay. Yes. Yes, that's right. He's listened to, the, listened to us as the sons. I, I think of, I can't recall exactly what passage you're thinking of right now, um, but I do think of Christ's mediation, as in Hebrews as well, where he, where he said we have confidence to enter the throne room of God because he is our great high priest, right? And he has already entered into that throne room for us on our behalf. So we have direct access to the Father. And this is the importance of saying adoption is intrinsically related to our union with Christ. If, Christ is, if we are heirs with Christ, then God is our Father through Christ. And so, yes. He, he hears us. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Yes, this is the, the voice of a child speaking back to his father, right? When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. What else? I think of the relational side, of just being able to come straight to our father, having the media, being able to, kind of like said, the talking, but, the, but just the, the whole being loved by our God and knowing him. Right, yeah. For sure, it's uh, there's a couple different ways that you know it talks about being brought into um, being one of the number of God's own or being considered one of His direct family, the the filial relationship that is there. Um, maybe First John would be a place we could go to reflect on that. First John, it's not, um, this is not one of the texts that is listed as a, as a proof text here. It's just one that was going through my mind. Um, but I'll just read from verse 1 through verse 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. 
that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things that our joy may be complete. And think of the fellowship, having fellowship with God as with a Father through Jesus Christ and having joy in that is that, I think, perhaps that filial relationship that you're speaking of there. What other benefits can we think of in terms of adoption? Well, we mentioned one, the sealing of adoption is the Spirit. And every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is what Ephesians talks about as the blessing of being his child. And so by this Spirit, we have confidence. By this Spirit, we have comfort. By the Spirit, we have a groaning which longs for more. We have a Spirit that cries, Abba, Father. We have a guarantee of our inheritance. We have access by the Spirit. And we've already talked about, then, the cry of both Abba and Father, those being not wholly distinct, but clearly separate understandings, right? Um, Abba being that, that inexpressible term of endearment, it, the term that says, cries out and says, my spirit groans, help dad, right? And Father being that recognized figure of not just authority, but also love, not just kindness, but strength, right? Abba, Father. We have pity through this relationship. That is, God, in his compassion, lavishes that compassion towards us. He now views us in ways that he pities us, our condition. What does it say in Hebrews? Is he not able to sympathize like us in every way, having been made like us in every way? If our union is with Christ, then we have the Father's compassion and Christ's compassion. I think we mentioned protection. We mentioned provision. What about chastening? Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and deals with as with with sons. And so chastening is one of the great benefits of adoption. What about... What about being... Yes, Jacob. Ah, Absolutely. Yeah. So the imputation of his righteousness being properly justification, but the confidence that we have in that, the assurance of that, of being an heir, is certainly of adoption, right? Knowing that we have, we have this inheritance not because we have earned it like a slave, but because he has truly welcomed us as sons, right? And that makes me think of also, uh, for, what is it, First Peter? We can turn to First Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by, the power, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And though the term adoption doesn't here appear, we understand what he is saying. If, you are, if your inheritance is kept for you, and if you are being guarded for this inheritance, 
God is dealing with you as with a son, is he not? This is one of the great benefits also of adoption. And so I'll read, I'll read the paragraph as it is laid out here in the confession. And, um, and as usual, we'll have about you know, maybe three minutes or so for questions and comments. But in order to confess these truths and recognize that adoption is truly a great blessing and a great privilege of God's people, we have um, taken these words to be faithful to God's scripture. It says, all those that are justified, God vouchsafe, that is kept guaranteed, in and for the sake of his holy son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number, enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name put on them. We didn't mention the name. This is, this is another one that many times when God has adopted, he has changed the name. We think of Abraham, Abram being changed to Abraham and Jacob being changed to Israel, right? When God has adopted someone, he has changed their name and given them a name which is the Father's name upon them. Um, his name put on them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as by a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption, and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. So I trust we see that to be faithful to Scripture. Any questions or thoughts or encouragements for one another? Yes, Maria. Yeah, the provision, the provision that casts out fear, because we know who has uh, cared for us, who has adopted us, right? All that God is, is for us. And so all that the world is, is not what is most needed by us, right? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good encouragement. All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Thank you for adopting us as children. Not merely making us slaves or merely purchasing us that we might be doers in your kingdom, but by your blood bringing us fully in as sons, bringing us entirely to yourself as joint heirs with Christ himself fellow heirs with God. We would praise you for this wonderful truth. We pray that, we would lift, that you would lift up our hearts through it today. I pray that you would be with each one of us. Teach us that we are children of God. And Lord, teach our children that they might look to you, that they might see the adoption and know that they have great confidence in Christ. Lord, we pray that you'd bless this truth to us today. In your name, amen.